Baker, and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Dale Talday. Dale is a three-time chef testant and a familiar face on Top Chef, and has also competed and served as a judge on Chopped, Iron Chef America, Knife Flight, and Beat Bobby Flay. Off-screen, Dale is the restaurateur behind former restaurants Talday, Masoni, and Rice and Gold. After launching Food Crush Hospitality with his life partner, Agnes Chung, he opened his first concept restaurant, Goose Feather, in Westchester County, New York, which pays tribute to the cuisine of Hong Kong. Dale is also the host of All Up In My Grill, which is available on demand on the Tastemade app. I'm so excited to welcome Dale to the podcast. Hey, Dale. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, gosh, my pleasure. I don't know if you remember this, Dale, but way back in 2016, you and I worked together <laughs> on this little project with Hillshire Snacking in oh, New York. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, that that actually just came up as a uh, like memory in my pictures with uh, Andy Cohen. Yeah. I was like, wow, Ty really flies. <laughs> it's a- crazy. Ages ago. Yeah. You weren't even a daddy yet. <laughs> probably like 50 or 40 pounds less ago for me. Oh, gosh. That's how I uh, keep track. He measured in the pounds. In pounds, yeah, in LBs. <laughs> All right. Well, I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? I mean, I think that it was apple pancakes because I came home one day and my mom had this dish that I, as a kid, wasn't very fond of, but nowadays love. It's called Sinigang. Yes. And you made it with fish heads. So I was like, listen, you know, my poor mother, who was like an RN, who worked the overnight shift, the graveyard, 11 to 7. Can you imagine this kid after you, you know, made dinner, she's saying that. And, you know, I can imagine now because my kids do it all the time. But like <laughs> saying to me, saying to you that he didn't want to eat what you made. So go ahead. You know, my mom was like, whatever you want to make, if you want to eat something else, you have to make it. So I was rummaging through the pantry and found the back of the box recipe for apple pancakes. And, uh made it. Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, as a lover of Sinigang, I know how soul crushing that probably was to your mom. Yeah. But at the same time, hey, it's like if you want something, you got to do it yourself. So I think that's a good lesson there. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you know, cook, just yeah. get in and start cooking. Exactly. Okay. So most people know you from Top Chef, but I'd love to know after apple pancakes, how did you get your start in food? Was this always your dream? How did you get your start in the culinary world? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I through watching cooking shows, like I was a product of some of those really early Food Network cooking shows, right? Malta Mario uh, on PBS, so it was Martin Mien Can Cook. Also, another show that really intrigued me as a kid called um, Great Chefs of the World. Um, oh, you can yeah. still find it, and you can still find it. Um, you can still stream it somewhere, but it is it that show was so dry. It was so poorly produced, but it was fascinating to be in, you know, it wasn't a studio. You were in these chefs' kitchens. And I thought that was just fascinating. Um, from all over the world. Where you would see, you know, a lot of them were produced in Europe. So you would see like these hardcore French kitchens, German, Alsatian you know, all these hardcore kitchens, London, but they all kind of looked the same. Mm-hmm. They all kind of spoke the same. And it was this very like somewhat nervous chef plating, like slowly plating a dish. And that was fun to me. I just saw like, you know, no matter what kitchen you went to, everyone was in all whites. Um, no matter where in the world the show was, they all kind of looked the same. That was very intriguing to me. 
Yeah. Well, on many levels, that's intriguing. I think something that stands out too is it probably was before the world of the celebrity chef. So chefs weren't necessarily used to being on camera. So there's a bit of that rawness, which is probably fun to see. It was. It was like, I mean, it was like, if you think about like the first, I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself, like real world, the first real world on MTV, like the first reality yeah. TV shows, like, yeah. think about like, it's, you know, that it's not HD. It's, it was just so raw and to see cooking shows in this manner was fascinating to me. And, and that kind of led my, my peak, my interest into like what a kitchen would look like, what a professional life in a kitchen would be like. Okay. So you pursued food. And you've done so many things since then, but let's talk about what you're doing right now with All Up In My Grill. Mm -hmm. You're back for season three. Yeah, man. <laughs> what makes this show special? And what are we going to look forward to in this current season? You know what I think makes the show special is that these are like all my recipes. A lot of the food that you see being made is food that I make at home. Mm. Um, it's a style of food that I make at home. It's the way that I host at home. And I think that when you're talking about summertime and barbecue, it's daunting for some people, like to have people over and to be juggling, like, how do you get three dishes on the table at the same time? Um, what drinks am I pairing with it? Um, it's a real insight into like how I cook at home. So um, these dishes are really from the heart. And I don't know if people say that, but like legit, like these, when they say, hey, what's, you know, what's cook up the next season? I really pull for inspiration from things I've just done at home. So I think that's what's special to it. I think that it's the gateway for a lot of people who are who are generally burger, brats, and hot dog people on a grill to kind of open the repertoire and not, you know, like, you know, there's that group. There's, you know, the steak and potato group, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you get past steaks, it's like, and pork chops, it's like, okay, now this is another echelon of people, right? Steaks, pork chops, chicken breast. Now this is another group of people who are, very adventurous and really want to cook and and push what they can do on top of a grill. Uh, and I think that's what's fun about season three is that we're really pushing, kind of leveling up from season one and two, but just your daily or your um, your daily grill work. And, and, you know, hopefully people, and I know people are because people are like, right now, currently people DM me like, how do you make that recipe? It's great because now we have QR codes for every every episode. Oh, that's awesome. And go, it goes right to recipe. But people are just like, they, I, I get DM and I get uh, a really positive response from people who are watching the show. Yeah. Uh, what I love about it is that you show how to do a whole meal on the grill. It's not just the protein. You know, you've got a dessert in there as well and an appetizer. So it's kind of nice for people who maybe kind of are a little tunnel visioned with what to do with their grill to get some inspiration from your show. Thank you. And, you know, that's the whole point. And inspiration is, I think, the key word, right? Because I get, when I cook, I get inspired. There's a theme, right? And it's not, it's like, I think it always starts with that. Like, what is the theme of, like, this Sunday, I'm doing Mexican food. This my version, right? So mm -hmm. we're doing a, a, an al pastor that I've done on the show, right, on the skewer. And it's kind of rotating on a grill. We're doing a whole roasted fish. We're doing some form of birria. Mm -hmm. So, and it's like, I just looked at it as like, okay, when you're planning these menus, right? What's easy? I can do the braise. I can do the braise tomorrow, let it cook all day, and then just warm it up. So that's one thing I've basically knocked out. So when people are coming, they're like, listen, I'm getting the drinks ready. We're doing, you know, mezcal margaritas. We're doing, I've, I, you know, you farm out some of these things, like desserts farmed out. I gave it to one of our guests that are coming. 
but I'm doing everything else and everything else. It's like, okay, once it's marinated, then you just, you know, you, you rock it on the grill, you roast it up and you chop it up and you have, make sure your tortillas are warm. And then you have, make sure all your salsas and accoutrements are ready to go. And then everyone, it's choose your own adventure after that. So. Yeah. I love the tip of farming it out because a lot of people just take entertaining all on themselves. And something I was going to ask you is how do you manage manning the grill while being a gracious host? And I guess that's definitely one way. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of timing and planning and understanding like what can sit and what can't, right? right. So I've already assessed that the two things that can't sit are going to be the tortillas and the, and the chopped proteins, right? The braised shredded protein, which is my birria, that can sit and will just be warm. And everything else can kind of like, you could just make sure everything else is like, listen, dice your onions, dice your cilantro, put that together. Have all the pickles and, and you know, spicy peppers and all that stuff on the side and make sure your salsa is done. And then otherwise then you just, you have a drink in your hand, right? And you're making margaritas and then you're, um, and then like the margarita, like people love to see someone shake a margarita, but like, you know, and the reality of it is that you're in a high volume restaurant like ours, yeah. we bat we make batches, right? So we batch. We make a batch of mar of whatever specialty cocktails are, and then you have that, and then all you're doing is shaking ice into it for dilution, and then you're pouring it. Yeah, smarter, not harder, for sure. <laughs> so I got a sneak peek at that first episode, uh, cheat day, which is beer braised brats, lamb ribs, hot donuts, and you made charred brats with cheddar onion dip, pretzel bites, pickled yep. mustard seed. Oh my god. So you're from Chicago. I met my husband in Chicago. So brats are like the special religion. thing. They're religion. <laughs> What's the secret to a good brat? And do you make them yourself? I don't. I So the thing about making sausage is that it's not hard. Yeah. It takes time and it takes technique, like making sure everything's cold. But I mean, like, listen, I think a brat can be good as a patty as well as a link. Oh, yeah. Um. So that's the only way I would make. Because, I mean, listen, I'm not. I'm not one to, I'll, I'll make sausage, but I'm not one to get the machine out and link it. Also, it's like, there's really great charcuterie people who do this as they're living. Like this is their job. Yeah. Like, rely on that. I think the key to brats for me is not overcooking it. So like when like, you know, in typical Chicago form, you take your brats, onions, beer, get them into a pot, bring it up to a boil, let them cook. And then you, they, they hammer them, right? They cook them to death. They fit in this hot liquid. For me, it's like, I want the flavor of the beer and the onions, and I want the onions to kind of cook inside this beer, but like bring it up to a boil and kind of like six minute egg or like an, like an egg, turn it off. Let and it sit in this beer, cook the beer and the onions and the garlic and your flavorings together. So they infuse, yeah. but like bring it up and leave them inside this bath, right? Like a hot, like a New York street hot dog. Yeah. And then the key is charring it and cooking it all the way on the grill. Make sure that lasts like you know, 15% cook is on the grill. So it's nice and juicy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because there's nothing worse than a dry brat. It's like such a letdown. <laughs> I, mean, what a, I mean, if you're going to go for it, right, you're eating like crap anyway, just at least do it well. And that's my thing with brats. Like, I think the key to brats too is no ketchup. Mm. You are not <laughs> eight years old anymore. <laughs> Eat it with mustard the way it's supposed to be done. So that's why that focus of that dish was like really – how many times can you kind of like pound this Bavarian idea of what a brat is into yeah. a very American and to me very Chicago? So like onions, that's why we had a cheddar onion dip. Um, I like cheddar brats at home. That's why we always get that. Then you see to see, you know, the pretzel bites, 
and more pickled mustard seeds. That was kind of the whole theme of, of, of that dish. Yeah. It was over the top, but perfect. <laughs> like it has to be that way, right? Like just, you have to pile it on. I mean, listen, man, it's like the whole episode. It's like, you've worked so damn hard <laughs> to get to this point of summer where you're like, all right, dude, I've lost some weight. I look good. I got my summer bod. <laughs> Relax, take a day off and eat like crap because you've earned it. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite things is sweet things on the grill, fruit on the grill. You made the hot donuts, which was ridiculous. I need to try that. What other sweet things do you like to do on the grill? I mean, honestly, anything that you can do in an oven on the stovetop, um, we've done toron, which is, oh, yeah. you know, plantains, ripe plantains wrapped in egg rolls, uh, wrapped in egg roll skin, fried, and then covered in, in almost like a um, bananas foster idea. That, that was the idea of it, mm -hmm. or that was, the, that was the inspiration. Like you said, grilled fruits work really well. We baked on a grill. We've done biscuits. I mean, anything, you get to treat a grill as, as basically another component of your kitchen understanding that there's direct heat from the bottom, but also understanding that if you turn off one side of the grill and you turn one on, that's basically an oven once you put a lid on it. So yeah, anything that you can think of that you can rock in a stove, you can do on a grill. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to just take the kitchen outdoors for the summer. So we have to talk about our shared Filipino heritage. So grilling, I just remember it being a big part of growing up and just, you know, just all the delicious food that my family would make. What are some of your other Filipino, you mentioned turon, but other Filipino inspired dishes that you love to cook on the grill? You know, I just, I recently discovered banana ketchup. Yeah. One of those things that I, my parents didn't grow up with, you know, my parents didn't, it wasn't their favorite, so they didn't bring it into the household, but I you started using it as like a marinade. And I think it's oh. awesome. It's an, you know, I think about it, like you use barbecue sauce as a base for things, right? Or ketchup as a base for things like barbecue sauce. So why not use banana ketchup? But I mean, honestly, I, we did, we're, we, you know, we did a Kamayan dinner all on the grill. So, you know, the meal that you eat with your hands. Yep. So Dungeness crab done in like a, a spicy, I mean, I just, that's my thing is generally I love seafood on a grill. I just think that it's my time. Like I'm trying to be a seasonal eater. So I make sure that like, it's a little bit lighter in the summer and things like fish, shellfish, you know, squid, it's just beautiful on a grill and with little, like you said, like what like I said, like banana ketchup, oyster sauce, a little garlic and ginger. Yes. Um, yeah. A touch of sweetness in a marinade, um, especially cause a lot of pro, a lot of seafood proteins cook quick, right? Mm -hmm. And especially Filipino and a lot of Asian style uh, barbecuing it's not like American barbecue that's low and slow, right? It's hot and fast. Yeah. And it's a totally different, you know, a totally different method of cooking. It's hot and fast. You get a beautiful char on it. Um, you're usually basting a lot. And um, it's not like five or six hours. The, the, the time is really in the preparation. It's in the marinade. Mm -hmm. And marinating it for a, few, for a few hours or overnight. And then getting it on the grill. Skewering and then getting it on the grill. Yeah. Which is what I love because it's a lot of the hands-off cooking that imparts that flavor. And then yeah. you've got all the little dips on the side too, all the sasa one. <laughs> oh, yeah. The brightness, you know, the bright. And then, and I love that because it's like, you know, us, it's like we had, you know, one pickle, like you have a chara on the side. Yeah. But for us, it's more like how kind of like Car like Carolina barbecue is. Like you're just dousing it in like a chili pepper vinegar. Yeah. yeah. While it's cooking, ours is more at the end of it, right? 
you baste something with just with this banana ketchup or something that has a beautiful, almost sweet caramely notes to it. Mm-hmm. And then it's contrasted by this bright, generally garlic heavy and a touch of pepper, chili pepper, um, brightness from acidity. And that, that contrast is, you know, that's a very Filipino, very Asian uh, way of, of um, you know, getting sweet, salty, sour, bitter umami into, yeah. into a dish. Okay, now I'm getting really hungry and it's still early out here. So. <laughs> but thankfully it's Friday, so that means we'll be grilling too. I have to ask what production is like for All Up In My Grill. How is it compared to other shows that you've done? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, listen, when you're the only one, when you're solo dolo, like you're up on there, there's a lot, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, I've tried to keep it light. I, I, um, and it's hard because it's, you know, the hardest part about the production is we're outside. Right. When you're inside, it's very controlled. You know, I can't tell you how many times we had to stop and start because of landscaping. Oh, gosh. These dudes are just doing their job. Landscaping. Yeah. Um, we're, we film in L.A. and, you know, we're in the valley. So everybody got a pool. So <laughs> the pool guy, we're like, you know, we bribe. At first we were bribing. This is my dog. We were bribing dudes with um, bribing people with food and then it was just straight hey here's cash can you move on to another house oh my gosh but it it, you know it takes a it takes a and we're doing two a days right so um we're doing two episodes in a day so it's like you know we were fighting a lot of elements this this time around we filmed a little earlier in the year so we didn't have the luxury of um what do you call that spring forward fall backwards. Oh, um, yeah, the time change. The time change. So the year prior, we had the time change. So we were able to get everything before the start started going sundown. This year, um, we went earlier and it was a challenge because now we're trying on top of all these elements and planes and lawnmowers and dogs <laughs> is that we're fighting daylight. the light, the light yeah. of daylight. So it's like, you know, we're trying to squeeze everything in and it was a lot of pressure. So and you know the pressure solely on me, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you're the talent in all sorts of ways. <laughs> you know, it's it's all on me, so I have to nail it. I have to nail the lines. I have to nail the recipes. All that stuff. So, I hope you're getting help with the food styling, and prep. Of course, that's okay. all. They're all that's all taken care of. There's no way <laughs> I'd be able to do it without the amazing team that uh, Taste Made put together. Um, and they have an amazing team, people who care and believe in what we're doing. And um, you know, I just. You know, we're in third season and we're starting to see the same faces again. So it's 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 like it's a cool environment to be around that people like care and, and want to be there and, and um, I don't know, keep it light when it, when when we're, we're all trying to, you know, get a job done. Yeah. OK, so if someone has not seen an episode yet, should they start at season three? Should they start at season one? What do you think? Yeah, I think start from season one, because I think you'll get an idea of season one. You know, that was bootstrapped, right? We filmed that out here in, in Jersey you know, budget wasn't super high, but you know, we, the recipes I thought were super dope. I mean, these were like, and I caught a lot of crap for some of them, but like, you know, my, my Uh Asian inspired um, seafood boil that I got into hotel pans and just, you know, filled with a bunch of liquid and, and, and that's not a seafood boil. And I was like, all right, man, like, okay. It is to you. So I'll tell you there's seafood. There's liquid and it's boiling. So just by definition, it is a seafood boil. But you know, people in Louisiana, like they and in the South, they take that very seriously. And I was yeah. like, I think what's awesome about season one is that you see like we just didn't care. 
we made food that we wanted to eat. Season two, it was a little more refined. I thought it was, it just got better. And then season three, it's awesome. I mean, we're really going for it. I thought the food styling, I thought the food, the ideas were dope. I mean, we had some really cool ideas for shows and um, yeah. I think start with season one and work your way up. I mean, um, we had ridiculous haircuts in season one. And then, <laughs> um, then there was a budget for uh, for hairstyling stuff, and then we knocked it out. And it's it's just looked better and better. And I thought the food, you know, in season three we actually cooked with live fire, so we were cooking over charcoal, and you know that's like a step up for a lot of people because some people just have a gas grill. I know when the west in the west coast it's like, you know, it's so easy for people on the west coast when your weather is so great to just have a gas grill and just, that's your f- method of cooking, right? All the mm-hmm. time. But now we're like challenging people like, yo, use some charcoal briquettes and see what it's like cooking over uh, a live fire because um, grilling is the only cooking technique that actually imparts flavor into a dish. Oh my gosh. You couldn't have said that better. It's so funny because when we moved to California, I don't know, 20 years ago, <laughs> we, found ourselves eventually making the switch to gas. And then now this last year or two, we're like, we haven't been using the gas grill as much and we've been using charcoal or wood. And it's just so much better. It's just worth a little extra effort. So I'm glad you said that. Timing effort takes, you know, you just got to prepare, but it's like the, the flavor that smoke and charcoal add to, especially if you're doing Asian food, because that is how we, mm-hmm. they don't have gas grills there. Yeah, you're you're cooking over banana, you know, coconut husks and 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 real wood. Um, the flavor of what is a simple pork barbecue for us transforms into something absolutely, you know, forget the Michelin stars. You're talking about like some of the. I would put our pork barbecue over hardcore, over like cooked over banana husks and and charcoal. Mm-hmm up with some of the finest dishes in the world. I mean, to me, it's just that dynamic when you have sawasawan, you have that, a little achara, the perfectly glazed, you know, a pork shoulder that's been marinating and banana ketchup, a little 7-Up, some ginger, yeah. some garlic. I mean, it's... Ah, oh, so good. So good. Okay, I have to just ask you this really quickly because, you know, there are a lot of people, and I think you do this really well, right, where you incorporate those flavors, um, and then I feel like you're still really honoring the background of a dish. So, because I get this a lot sometimes, like, oh, this is not Filipino enough, or it's not authentic. What are your thoughts on food evolving and, you know, authenticity and flavors? I mean, listen, if anyone that tells me it's not Filipino enough, it's like, dude, what is then? Because you you want to, let's go past pre-colonization Filipino food. Let's go there. Get rid of soy sauce, get rid of tomatoes, get rid of you know, anything that's remotely Spanish. Um, I think that's the funniest part is that Filipinos will say it's not Filipino enough to them and believe that that's like the end all be all. But there's 7,000 islands and like what's authentic when there's 7,000 islands and more than 7,000 ways to do it. It's one single dish, adobo, you know, you can't say the mm-hmm. same about that with other countries, right? Right, right. Like you go to France and you tell them what's a what's a crepe, right? It's a buckwheat pancake with da 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 da. It's like that's it, right? Coca Ven, right? It's braised chicken and red wine with mushrooms and bacon and lardon, right? You know, yaki udon, like stir fried udon noodles with beef or whatever, and 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 a sweet sauce. In Philipp- and you say that adobo, like so many ways, so many ways, right? <laughs> so many ways, so many different ingredients, like proteins they use, so. I'm not the I'm not the gatekeeper of authenticity. What I am the gatekeeper is 
what I will be part like and help champion is the Fugazi, you know, like the French dude that has an Asian fetish that all of a sudden he's doing fusion Asian food because he puts like yuzu in a purple blanc. Mm. Yo, man, that, that ain't it, bro. You know what I mean? Like, stay in your lane. Like, then don't call it fusion. Like, you don't, just because you're putting Asian ingredients in something doesn't make it Asian. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and vice versa. Just because you're in an Asian store buying some Asian ingredients doesn't mean that you have to cook Asian food, right? Yeah. Like, all these things like EXO, fish, but this, um, bulgong, those are just forms of umami. And think about, like, yeah, if I sub out anchovies, which is basically a preserved, right? Yeah. It's all the same stuff. It's all the same thing. So, right. you know, what I won't do is what I try and do, and I, I told my chefs this, is that when you're inspired and trying to, like, kind of, you have inspiration from two different worlds, like, make sure those two different worlds aren't in conflict. Like, by nature, I wouldn't do something that's Japanese and Korean. Right. Those two worlds don't really combine very well because there's a very torrid past between that. Right. 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 That that doesn't make sense to me. But what does make sense to me is the fact that in New York City, there's a ill Koreatown, right? Yes. Oh, I miss it. <laughs> so the Korean food. So if you want to blend, like, have inspired, be inspired by New York City and what New York City has to offer and its real traditional food and Korea because there's some Korean people here. Yeah. You know, like Vietnamese in New Orleans, this Viet Cajun thing. That to me yeah. is such an amazing new fusion food amazing it's like yeah. some of the best but because the vietnamese moved down to new orleans and made home because they were shrimpers and there's a lot of shrimp there's a shrimp industry down there that is a culture and food that makes total sense that should be celebrated and um, make sense but like these other cultures don't some of them still make sense to me so mm, i feel like that's a whole other show <laughs> <laughs> the politics of that yeah yeah no. right um, I have to ask you this too. Your experience as a chef testant, did that, or maybe you didn't, influence you in the kitchen um, and with the restaurants that you yeah. opened? You know, when you do a competition like Top Chef and all some of these things, that you realize that you're capable of doing a lot. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're put to task. Um, so, like, I think that when you see when you see chefs that are like, "This is going to be really hard," it's like, okay, listen, you have time to work it out. We have time. Everything's that we know how many people are showing up. Like, guys, we were, I was cooking on a show where like in a blink of an eye, they'd say, okay, in 24 hours, open a restaurant. Okay, in 24 hours, cater a wedding for, cater a wedding for, for 300 people Which in is 24 nuts. hours, just like <laughs> that. No menu, nothing, just go. So it, it really, you really expand what is feasible in your head. And you understand, like, guys, this isn't that hard, especially because we know two weeks in advance what's going to be happening. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest part about Top Chef. I mean, besides learning from other people, which is great, it's just understanding your boundaries and, and knowing that you're so you're capable of so much more when you're when when you have to be put to, to the test. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder for everybody, whether you're a cook or not <laughs> or a chef or not. We don't do it enough. Yeah, that's true. We don't, we don't put ourselves in uncomfortable situations enough to understand our limits and what we're capable of doing. Okay. Before I let you go, I have some closing questions. But before that, I just have to ask you, what should we grill this weekend? Um, yeah, I found these Romano beans and pole beans are in season right now. Pole beans are like, and these Romano beans are my favorite because you don't eat them al dente. You cook them to death. Like you hammer them. Uh-huh. Um, and I would do it in a really simple Filipino, like kind of like 
tomato, ginger, scallion, onion, sofrito-ish thing, mm-hmm. fish sauce, and just braise them, like grill them, and then braise them on the grill in a pan with that. Man, that pork barbecue I was talking about is banging, right? <laughs> just, I mean, and it doesn't, so that barbecue sauce is really for anything. So whether it's cauliflower, potatoes, beef, chicken, pork, mm-hmm. you know, banana ketchup, vinegar, ginger, garlic, black pepper, 7-Up, a splash of oyster sauce, and soy, and you're, you're, you're home a little yeah. And I think that is the illest. But have everything ready for it, right? That's my thing is I like, I like the fact that, like, what I would want to do is take that marinade and then use a double, couple different proteins and other things with it. So I would do pork. I would do shrimp maybe with it. And then I would do, like, a piece of cauliflower and uh, a whole head of cauliflower and then potatoes. I love the idea of doing the cauliflower with the, with the same marinade. First of all, doing the same marinade is just economical and, you know, you save time. So it's great. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all different, right? It's all going to taste different, but you, there's a thread of this, this marinade on top of it. And then, yeah, everything's just going to taste a little funkier and different. And that's a, such a good thing. Yeah. Okay. I know I need to let you go, but some quick, quick closing questions. Sure. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner? Uh, Cacio pepe. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like three ingredients, right? Yeah. Pasta, water, pepper, Parmigiano, Reggiano. And some people cheat with butter, but and I do. So it's like five, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Simple, smart. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Uh, it's probably um, this grilled bronzino wrapped in a banana leaf stuffed with a tomato ginger sofrito. It's inspired by my mom's milkfish. So that's how my mom makes milkfish. Yeah. Is that she'll stuff it with tomatoes and onions and scallions, ginger. Um, that was something I took away. You know, I didn't love tomatoes as a kid. So cooking it, and I was just like, oh, this, it smelled so good not to love. Yeah. Wow, Dale, we have like a similar, I don't know, childhood, it seems, like between cooking shows and mom's cooking fish on the grill. I just remember so much of that. That's so cool. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? And I think we all know the answer to that. I'm a messy cook. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, I'm a disaster. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm a disaster. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, you know, I know all the people, like, and I see some of my friends, like, I got a really good friend in town here in New Jersey who um, he used to work, uh, he worked at Per Se, he worked with John George, and he worked front of the house, but he went to culinary, went to culinary school at the same time. And when I see this guy cook, I'm like, damn, Anthony, you kill it, dude. Everything's labeled, blue tape, marker. <laughs> I'm like, bro, get out of here, man. I'm I'm chopping it up. I'm just, I'm just trying to get it out. <laughs> oh, makes me feel better. What's a good kitchen tip that you can share? You don't have to make everything from scratch. I think that things like um, down to like, listen, I will always make rice, but if I'm in a if I'm in a pinch and I know the Chinese restaurant down the street like is making jasmine rice, I'll order like four quarts of that to make fried rice or you know what I mean to knock one thing off my list that I don't have to do. You know, Korean fried chicken wings are the illest appetizer <laughs> when you need something quick and fast and you need to bring something to a party. That yeah. is like, like that's trump card, you know? Like no matter what, people are going to be like, "Yo, would you get this fried chicken?" <laughs> So like in my mind, it's like you don't have, and not everything has to be homemade. And honestly, nobody really cares as long as it tastes good. So, I mean, that's right. That's the end all be all is just right. I don't like, obviously people care about the way you got to there. Oh, the story of like, this comes from this farm and this is organic and this is, you know, whatever raised, you know, ethically raised meats. And I, I love all that story. 
right? But I got two kids. Mm-hmm. And my friends come over, they got two kids too. And they got, this one has three kids. And you know what? None of these kids all eat the same thing. That's so, so true. <laughs> you know, that story, all that crap goes out the window when I got to get dinner ready. Because like, it's like, listen, the grind is hard. And, and, and I get it. My kids are young, dumb young. You know, I got like an 18, like an 18 month old. Yeah, you know, besides new. him trying to throw glasses off the second floor railing and like, you know, him trying to feed chocolate bars to my dog. It's like, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm we're struggling here. So, yeah, do your best. Make tasty food. And at the end of the day, hospitality is more more about uh, is an idea as opposed to what you're putting on the plate. Right. It's the idea of like, like to me, hospitality is making sure that when you're sat down at a table, your guests don't have to get up to get anything. You put spoons and everything. There's a pitcher of water on the table. Everyone has a drink. Everyone's just chilling, laughing. There's enough food for everybody. Um, and just be thankful for everybody. And like, listen, somebody might have brought not the best thing to your cookout, but they brought something. Yeah. And I think what you got to remember is, is that you don't know what that family's going through. And so, it's the company it, that you want more than the food. Yeah. And it's like, listen, the minute someone's like, you know, complaining about something, it's like they can leave. Right. Yo, man, are you, you're coming over to my house and I'm cooking for you. You didn't have to worry about another meal. We're all <laughs> chilling. Um, but if you're not having a good time, you should leave. And that's, you know, kind of the ethos at the restaurant. Our ethos at the restaurant is like this. We're trying to make you happy. We will do our best to make you happy. We'll go above and beyond to make anyone happy. But if someone is, isn't happy, they're not paying for the meal. That's period. Like, you shouldn't pay for your meal, but then we're also going to say, you probably you should leave. Yeah, go find food somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, try and find happiness elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, speaking of happiness, every week I try to share five little things with my audience. Something that made me smile that week. What made you smile this week? Um, it's my kid's last day of school. Oh, it's so school. late. July? Yo, man. It's, he's in, pre, in pre-K. So oh, okay. Last day of pre-K. But, um, you know, they have the – it's a really tight-knit group of, of ki- kids and adults that got together. And we were all at the spray park yesterday and it was, um, it was, you know, it's like, it was fun, man, to see. It's like, we're all a bunch of parents um, with kids running around the spray park and there's nothing cuter than that. I mean, this, you know, that, that makes the hard days easy. You don't forget them, but it makes the hard days a little easier when you see all your kids running around together and they, they have this really awesome bond. Uh, and that, that makes, yeah, that's awesome. Aw. Well, Dale, it was so nice to talk to you. It was great to see you again. Where can people find you? Where can they watch All Up In My Grill? Where can they go to Goosefather? All the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me at Instagram, at, at Dale Taldi. Um, you can watch my show, All Up In My Grill, um, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern, and anywhere you stream. So anywhere you stream anything, just look up Taste Made. And Taste Made will take you to uh, all up on my all up in my grill and uh, an amazing and their amazing content that I think you know they're in, they're not the people who are um, you know making you cook with two arm with one arm behind your back jumping on a <laughs> down like it's they're putting out some really awesome content. Yeah. Um, and you can find me at Goose Feather in Westchester, New York, and, and in Terrytown, and that's and you know follow us at Goose at Goose Feather NY. And uh, yeah, well, you can see kind of what our happenings are, what we're up to. Um, you can also find me at Food Crush Hospitality and see what our new projects are. I'm opening something in LaGuardia. Um, 
Yeah. Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah Noodle Bar and LaGuardia, so it should be fun. Nice. Well, Dale, congrats. You've got so much going on. I don't know how you do it, so I'll let you go. Thank you for spending time. Thank you for having me. Take care. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. That was such a fun chat. Thank you again to Dale for joining us today. Don't you wish you could invite yourself over to his house for his next barbecue? I can't tell you, I am craving Filipino anyhow, which is the Tagalog word for basically anything grilled. And I have to make his beer braised brats too. I'll be binging the remaining episodes of All Up In My Grill for sure. I hope you have fun with your summer grilling and were inspired by this episode of Kitchen Confidant. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend. And we'll see you again next time. Until then, happy cooking and grilling.